Chris Lee and Blaine Gilmer of Southeastern 14 here to preview Florida's road trip to Utah. Not a place the Gators have spent a lot of time, I don't think. And this is the rematch of the game a year ago, a tremendous game that the Gators won in Billy Napier's debut. Got everybody excited. I thought Florida was a team that was really peaking down the stretch. And then they got to my hometown of Nashville and Commodores laid one on them. And that was that for Florida's season. As for Utah, uh, Utah just is a perennial juggernaut at the Pac-12 these days, perennial participant in the title game, won 10 games a year ago and probably favored to, to win the, the Pac, whatever it is today. Again, as we do this for week, first week of August, Blaine. Yeah, them and USC are going to be right there in there, but, you know, with Caleb Williams, of course, returning. But Utah's also returning talented quarterback, even though he did, uh, you know, tear up his knee last year in the Rose Bowl game. People are, you know, hinting, is Cam Cameron Rising going to be coming back? Is he – he's going to be there. Uh, I don't know if he'll be 100% in this game or have all the confidence, but I would bet – anything in the world that he's going to be suited up when Florida comes into Salt Lake City there, uh, Rice-Eccles Stadium. And I just think that this is a game that he and his teammates are looking looking forward to. But, Chris, this is this month. It is in the month of August. We have football on a Thursday night this month, uh, 8 o'clock Eastern, out in Salt Lake City. So I'm very, very excited for it. Yeah, that, that makes two of us. The Utes are about an eight-point favorite with, what is it, a 48-point over-under, according to Vegas, which makes for a predicted final of 28-20. to 20. We'll get into some other models and what they think at the end of the video. But as you pointed out here, not as only is Utah bringing back a lot of, a lot of good players led by their quarterback, who we'll get into in a minute, but just a lot of players, period, here. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, 76 percent overall return production but that offense they're bringing back a lot and uh you know cam cam rising is a big reason for that not only throwing the football but running as well i'm sure coming off the knee injury they'll probably not want him uh to run as much they do they did lose running back tavion thomas from a year ago but they have two experienced guys who were their second and third lead, leading rushers when it comes to jaquindon jackson and they come to jalen glover of course they're always physical on the offensive line, uh, all Kyle Winningham teams are physical. That is one thing that you're going to say about them. They are physical football teams. They they embody that toughness that Kyle Whittingham has. And I think you could say that, Chris, about both of these teams and head coaches. I think uh, when you when you talk about Billy Napier, when you talk about Kyle Winningham, it's two hard-nosed guys that, that really do things the right way. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Two of my favorite coaches in college football – Let's get into when the Gators have the ball uh, because, boy, it is a different conversation than it was at the end of last year. Florida, of course, will be breaking in Graham Mertz as their quarterback to replace Anthony Richardson, who went fourth overall to the Indianapolis coach, just or Indianapolis Colts, a phenomenal and athlete and the coach. That's that's a different story. Uh, yes, but anyway, um, Ricky Pearsall comes back. He was the best receiver a year ago. You know, they've got some other guys back. I think the running game was where Florida's bread was buttered last year, and I think we'll be again this year. I mean, look, Mertz was a, what, a four- to five-star recruit out of high school. You never know, although he's, what, 
four or five years into his career. So you would think if we were going to see it, we would have seen it more consistently by now. But it's fans are looking at this graphic here. You see that the yards per rush play, and, and you may say, hey, wait a minute, Utah only gave up four yards a rush a year ago. Well, this is rush play. And when you take out sacks and sack yards, of which the Utes had a bunch of both, when other teams ran the ball, it wasn't great, Blaine. And that's what Florida can do. If, if this is a game, look, I, I think we both think Utah is the better team in this one. But I'm looking at that running stat and per carry. And yes, I know Richardson had some of that a year ago, but they bring back Montreal Johnson and Etienne and, and some good running backs. Now, the offensive line may be a question. There's some developments on that, even as we do this today, which is August the 2nd. But I, I think that is Florida's key to the game here. Limit the turnovers, which it did a year ago, 1.7% of snaps. And Utah did a pretty good job of forcing turnovers. 3% is an elite rate at forcing turnovers. But if you're sitting here saying, hey, wait a minute, why is the spread as, as low as, as it is, given what these teams bring back at certain spots and what they did a year ago? That might be your answer. And I think too there there is a little bit of uncertainty. People, the the market may be about okay, how healthy is Cam Rising, things like that, you know. And yeah. I think if that became more definite, you might see that spread go up a little bit more. This thing actually opened up uh, at a at a ten point deal for Utah, so it's come down a little bit. Some places you can find it at nine points, so we'll see. But you're to your point, no doubt the strength of this Florida team is running the football with Montrell Johnson and Trevor Etienne. And the question is, can you have that same movement up front? Uh, you don't have uh, you don't have the same offensive lineman from last year. Uh, you know, four out of five starters are gone. Kingsley Aguacan is the only one that, that returns. They were probably looking at, at Kenyatta Goodwin as a guy who could work himself into being a starter by the time the year was over with him and Damian George right there uh, battling out for a spot at, at tackle, things of that nature. But he is no longer with the team as of yesterday, August 1st, when we – when as of us recording this on August 2nd, on August 1st, he officially entered the transfer portal. Even a couple of weeks before that, he said he was no, no, no longer going to be with the team because he has a family situation, I believe his mom has been diagnosed with with cancer, and he's going to go and and spend spend some time and be closer to home. So totally understandable, and prayers for for her in that situation. But that's a big blow when you lose a guy like that. Um, that is a was a coveted target for Kentucky. He transferred in from Kentucky, so now he's back in the portal. And really, that's the that's the question there, Chris, is how does Damian George fit in? He was a guy who never reached that potential, even though Nick Saban and company said he had a lot of it at Alabama. He never worked himself into being really a guy there for Alabama. They do bring in a big transfer there in Micah Mascua. So from Baylor, he's a physical guy, so he brings some experience where he'll be right there side by side with a Guacan. So, you know, that that does bode well for the running game. But the reason that we talk so much about the running game and about the offensive line, Chris, is because they're kind of devoid of weapons on the outside with Xavier uh Xavier Xavier Henderson having transferred to Cincinnati out of the program. 
Uh, Ricky Pearsall uh, is a guy who came in last year. He's going to be looked at as looked at heavily. Marcus Burke, does Caleb Douglas step up? He had uh, some good plays in the spring game. Andy Jean was a, is a true freshman that you know they're going to be looking at to make make some plays. And then they've got another speedster freshman, Aiden Mizell. Maybe he works his way in there, but. Uh, not a lot of household names as Florida's typically known for at the wide receiver position. And when you've got some uncertainty, whether it's Graham Mertz or maybe Jack Miller ends up playing some whoever at quarterback, when there's uncertainty at that position, it would help to have some really good pieces around them when it comes to tight end and wide receiver. And Florida just quite simply does not have those this year. Yeah, and speaking of names – Utah lost one in, in Clark Phillips, one of their one of the best defensive backs in the country. But they, they bring back some good ones. Utah's got a, a couple of potential All Pac-12 defensive backs and linebackers too. If they bring back most of their defensive line, uh, like it wasn't wasn't an outstanding unit last year. If you look into the yards per play, like the plays per game though, just other teams weren't on the field that much. I don't know what the yeah. third down rate was, and that that turnover rate may have a lot to do with it when you're. When you can't hold on to the ball, which they did a great job, and the sacks too. I think that's probably it between the turnovers and, and the sacks. That's a lot of ended possessions right there. So that's that's probably your key. But yeah, I, I think that's. I think we're going to have Utah having the edge on that side of the ball with Florida having so many questions. Other side of the ball, uh, I think Utah is certainly going to have the edge. You mentioned Cam Rising, one of the better quarterbacks in the country. Uh, they ran the ball really well a year ago, uh, and they've got a lot of their better guys back. Uh, they, they didn't get sacked a whole lot. Meanwhile, Florida, you just look at that defense. It, it's not the typical Florida defense with with the names. I guess you got Jason Marshall in the defensive backfield. They've got a couple other guys there. Um, you know, they're they're pretty big up front in some spots. And look, that that state's got a ton of talent and. <laughs> Florida's always going to have athletes, but it just hasn't been the Gator defense that you and I, I think, grew up watching and respecting. Yeah, I think in terms of name recognition, uh, you know, there's no, there's no Brandon Spikes out there, there, you right. know, th things like that. But when you're talking about guys who, I think Florida's going to be good up front. I really do. I think they've got they've got enough talent, enough size, uh, enough influx of some young guys that can help out. Whether it's a Kelby Collins coming in and being able to fortify some depth and play in there, but um, you know, whether it's uh, Princely Emula Maley in, and I will butcher his name every time, but I'm just going to refer to him as Princely. Princely, you at Jack, he's he's a guy that they look at you know, kind of a leader on that defense, a guy that can can do a lot of things for him, that versatile position. Sometimes he's a stand-up guy, sometimes hand in the dirt. So uh, it is a – it's going to be incumbent that he plays really well. Of course, they got Desmond Watson, all 430 pounds of him uh, coming back, Chris. And I've never seen that big a man wear that small a number. That 21 looks like it's just – Itty bitty on that big jersey over there, so uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see that once again. Love seeing a big guy wear a small number. I mean, that's 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 fun stuff right there. That's what college football is all about. Uh, Justice Boone up front is a guy they feel like they can count on, but I think the the one that everybody's most excited about is Cam Jackson, who's transferred in from Memphis. Yeah. Chris, six foot six, three hundred seventy one pounds, and can move really well. Was productive at Memphis, so I think Billy Napier and company have a lot to be excited about up front. And what that's going to do 
is like we said, Utah lost Tavion Thomas, right? And they're having to break in a couple running backs that are stepping into bigger roles. Cam Risen's probably as not as likely to run with that knee injury coming back first game. So if Florida, as we talked about South Carolina against North Carolina in that preview, which you can go watch, if Florida can make Utah one dimensional early, uh, and and that'll that'll help out those people on the back end there for Florida. So that defense just needs to focus on stuffing that run early for Utah because you know Kyle Whittingham's going to want to want to establish that early. Well, Florida also added R.J. Moten, who was a regular at Michigan. He's at, at a safety along with Miguel Mitchell. Those, those guys may be fighting for that same spot. Mitchell was a kid who played as a true freshman and played a lot, I think, as the year went along. So he returns to, to start there. Um, you know, they've got some – I know I'm forgetting somebody. Who is it? It's, they um, added a, a linebacker, Terahata Mitchell from Ohio State. Uh, that yeah, that, that's that's one. And Kamari Wilson's the other guy, a, a, a talented safety that's a 2022 kid who also played 13 games. So there's there's a case to be made that Florida's getting a little older and has got some talent in the secondary. But look, the, the criticism and why Dan Mullen got fired at Florida was because the recruiting wasn't good. And yes, they have some players. Yes, they did some things at times, but it just doesn't pop on paper the way it once did really on either side of the ball. Yeah, it didn't under Dan Mullen, but Billy Napier has Florida back at uh, this upcoming yeah. class in the 2024 class. If yes. They'll be patient with Billy Napier. He's got a, a, what could end up being a top five class uh, coming this upcoming year. So I think the defense, to your point, we know that there's going to be some struggles on the offensive line as we talked about Florida's offense. And we know they've got struggles at the wide receiver position out wide. And who knows what's going to happen at quarterback. But I think you can depend on this Florida defense to be good week in and week out. I really like what they have up front. I think the the new piece of Mitchell in the in there from Ohio State at, at Mike Linebacker is going to help out a good bit. And then, like you said, it, the you know some experience now on the back end between Mitchell, Wilson, and Marshall back there in the secondary. Uh, even even uh, Jadarius Perkins is a guy who's been around a while. So. I think Billy Napier's got more experience. He's got more of a thumbprint, you know, kind of uh, on this team. He's brought in Austin Armstrong as his defensive coordinator that everybody is very impressed with, a young guy that's kind of cut from that that Saban tree line there, uh, you know, and he's got – he he's just been – he's very aggressive, uh, very – brings a lot of energy, uh, really team-building type guy. So I think that can always be big, Chris, when you have a change – a defensive coordinator bringing a, a guy like that, a young guy that can relate to the players and be energetic. So I think Florida's going to be good on defense. All right, let's give some picks here and let's look at some other models, including a couple that we've got that we've made. The computers are bigger on the Gators this year than I would have expected. I've seen a few that have got Florida as a top 30 team. If you do ESPN's FPI, even allowing for a three-point home field advantage, for Utah, uh, the Utes are only five-point favorites by that. The SP Plus, allowing for three-point home field advantage, has got Utah minus seven. Jeff Sagarin don't have that one yet. Um, of course, the line, again, minus eight and a 48-point over-under. That says 28-20 Utah. And then finally, our predictive model, one that does the score, has got 34-24. And the other one that just does a spread is close. It's got it minus nine. Look, if you're Florida and you're going to win the ball game, it's going to have to be ball control and turnovers. 
But that, that's just kind of a narrow path to victory. I just see Utah being at home, just having so much more explosive potential. I, I'm a big Andy Ludwig fan uh, now that he is out of Nashville and no longer has the Derek Mason handcuffs on him. He's done really, really well at Utah. Uh, just a, a balanced guy. He's got a, a pretty good little bag of tricks. I, I just think Utah's got so much more firepower than does Florida, and, and, and I think a 10-point Utah win is is along the lines of what we'll see, and it might even be more. Yeah, that four that four two five uh definitely always a four man front that Kyle Whittingham likes to employ, especially not having the escapability at quarterback like they like Florida had last year in Anthony Richardson. Because remember, he made some Houdini like plays and really got the Heisman hype train rolling yeah. after that game in Gainesville. Um, but I just even though I think Graham Mertz is going to be a little bit better than everybody thinks, because I think he's been around and Billy Napier's going to do some good things with him. He's just not the same special athlete that Anthony Richardson was. And to my point on Kyle Whittingham and that four-man front, I think that's going to help stymie the Florida run game and those really talented uh, running backs and then put even more pressure on the road. Graham Mertz, early on in the season, it's going to force those wide receivers to win one-on-one matchups early, and I just don't know if that's quite in the cards yet for Florida. I do think that people need to be patient with Billy Napier because, you know, in the next year or two, Florida is going to get enough guys and reinforcements are on the way through recruiting, but this is not going to be the start to the season. I don't think that the Gators want. I agree with our model. I would at least make it a nine-point game and probably higher. Um, the score prediction, like you said, was 34-24. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go a little bit uh more than that, but I'm gonna go, I'm gonna take the under a little bit. I don't know if Florida's gonna score yeah. as much on that. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Utah to win this game 34 to 20. Yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah, I'm 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 really big on Billy Napier long term, it, but it's a work in progress and they are they got a lot of progress to make to get to where I think they can be. So, in any case, we're going to preview every single SEC game this season. Best way to catch those, hit the subscribe button. If you hit the like button, that also helps our analytics. We cover baseball, football, and basketball in the SEC year-round. He is Blaine Gilmer. I am Chris Lee. We're Southeastern 14. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you again soon with more SEC football content. Thank <laughs> you.